Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Chainsaw Buffet podcast. Uh, the episode that we released this week, um, we recorded while Evo was going on. Uh, I was I was sitting there with the stream going on. Uh, I made some comments. Some of them may have been derogatory towards a certain Marvel player. I don't know. Um, but I couldn't really, as a fan of the fighting game genre and the fighting game community, let this event pass without doing something. So... Uh, we once again have our good friend Adam Perry, who is uh, the events director at Hamicon, uh, as well as a uh, fighting game aficionado like myself. Here with us, Adam, thanks for uh, taking the time. Appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. Lots to talk about. Yes. Um, so we're going to go over some of the games that we're a little bit more comfortable um, talking about. And I believe IGN has the grand finals for uh, all the major games up on their site now. And good on IGN for, for getting on the uh, fighting game community and uh, covering it for Evo, even though they you know ignore every other event that comes along. But whatever, it's fine. Well, it seems like they covered it extra well since they had a certain story that released in the morning that they weren't supposed to release. They were just doing... Doing extra duty. It was it was it was Ono Ono uh, Ono leaked Tekken Seven. <laughs> um, but uh, do we want to go ahead and just start with Tekken? I, uh, I don't yeah, know that I have. I don't know that I have a lot to say about the result. Um, JVCR ended up winning, and JVCR has sort of been terrorizing the Tekken community for a long time now. So even though this is his first Evo win, I don't know that it was really a surprise. Well, I felt like the uh, the top eight was interesting. At least there wasn't uh, just uh, you know win god fists everywhere. But uh, it was nice to see Anakin, you know, do well. Interesting to see uh, the foreign players that came and did well as well. You know, I mean, it's it's not like it's surprising, but you know, it's always great to see, especially to see JDCR finally like close that gap, especially on the same uh, tournament that they announced basically the next game. It's like a, a, a nice end to that chapter. Agreed. I, and I think that's really the big news is Tekken 7. Um, I think they said it's going to be running on Unreal Engine 4. They showed a uh, English language trailer for it. Um, but it was just story. Um, there's no actual gameplay in it. Although that's still more than we've ever seen of, uh, of uh, Tekken Cross Street Fighter. And we've known about that game for years now. Mm, if it still exists, they they tell me it does, but uh, you know I've not. They also tell me the Last Guardian's coming out, so uh, whatever. <laughs> well, Honestly, I'm a little excited. Like I really enjoy the Tekken series, but uh, I'm not a heavy player, and Tekken Tag Tournament Two demanding two characters out of you, it's just a little too much time for me to invest. So I, I'm looking forward to maybe going back to one character, having having to learn one character. Well, uh, anytime I bring up Tekken, I always brag about the fact that, you know, here in Knoxville, we, we have one of the country's best Tekken players in Trungi. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, even even I never really got heavy into the uh, the the Tekken Tag 2 bandwagon for that very reason, because, um, you know, I can learn one character in a game that I'm not very highly versed in. You know, I, I, I know the basics of Tekken, but there's a lot of it's it's just a very different monster from even other 3D fighting games. Not to mention, you know, this, the discrepancies between a 2D fighter like Street Fighter and a 3D fighter like Tekken in terms of mm-hmm. movement and positioning and spacing and footsies yeah. and everything else. Um, 
Shout out yeah. to I'm sorry. I, I was uh, just going to say, I think Tekken 7, just being a you know a traditional one-on-one fighter, will, at least for, for folks like you and I, have a lower barrier of entry. Because Tekken Tag Tournament 2 is definitely the Tekken connoisseur's Tekken. Yes, I agree with that sentiment. Um, and definitely shout out to that community. Uh, originally, Tekken wasn't even supposed to be a main game, but a lot of community leaders came out for the game and ended up, you know, it ended up happening. It ended up being not, it, it ended up being interesting for Tekken. Usually Tekken, especially from a, a layman's point of view, is sort of boring to watch, but I thought that it was really interesting. Um, and always uh, Tekken Casino, if you haven't watched that, it's an after-hours stream that they did. Those, it started at final round. It was amazing. It was fun. It was hilarious. Uh, and this year at Evo, it was also just amazing to watch. So if you can find that, it should be around Twitch somewhere. Harada was in there playing with them. It was awesome. And one thing, I do take a bit of pride in how the Tekken community um, does conduct its business, even though I don't really consider myself to be a part of that community, um, just because it is based here in the South. You know, it, mm-hmm. all the other fighting game communities, the hotspots are, you know, in California and in New York. And then there's smatterings here and there. But but Tekken is definitely, you know, in the South, Atlanta and Tennessee and, and Alabama and, you know, sort of that area. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I, I enjoy seeing them do well. And I really enjoyed seeing uh, Harada wearing a uh, Kumite in Tennessee shirt. Yeah, that was awesome. It was uh, it kind of just shows how how cool he is in terms of like, you know, he knows where his fans are. Yes. And uh, there's there's a picture floating around on Facebook that Ian, the uh, organizer for KIT, posted of Jess and Stucky from Momocon. So I'm like. Bad life decisions because mm. all these people I know are at Evo and I'm I'm at home watching. Well, I hope uh, I hope they talked about stuff, and I also hope that Kit talked to uh, Jess and Stucky a little bit. Oh, I, if I know Jess and Stucky at all, I guarantee you they were all over it. Good. They were probably they're probably you know. feeling? Yeah, I was about to say, I don't know that either of them are fighting game players, so I imagine that that was kind of a business trip for them. And you know what? As somebody who goes to Momocon and somebody who loves Justin Stucky and somebody who loves fighting games, I am all for this confluence of events. So exactly. let's, let's let's get, you know, I, I told them this when we talked uh, to them before this year's Momocon. You know, I would love to see Momocon turn into a... Uh, I think it's Yomacon that's kind of like, it's an anime convention, but they also kind of have a fighting game major there every year. Yeah. So I'd, I'd love to see that happen to Momocon. There's definitely the resources in this area to uh, pull that off. And if anyone could do anything, it's them. So, yeah. Absolutely. Um, that, that is no joke. So I'm, I'm pulling for that result. Because um, mm-hmm. that's that's something that I don't know that I really feel like, you know, I'm I'm a part of. Momocon in the same way that I'm a part of, you know, some of the other conventions because I haven't been going there as long, but I still, I still love those guys and I still want to see them succeed. So absolutely, like I've never been to Momo, but they've done so much for our convention that they are just, you know, we're huge fans. And Basil goes every year he can, and I want to go, especially, and that'll just sweeten the deal if they're having a tournament at the same time. Yeah, you really should go if, if you're able to at all because it's a, it's a fantastic event. Um, the staff and everybody there is super nice, and yeah. uh, they're moving into that new space next year, so that's going to be a good time to go. Definitely, definitely. Well, um, I guess if we've got nothing else to say for tech, and I guess we can keep moving. Yeah, uh, what do you want to tackle next? 
Uh, well, right after that was uh, Injustice, which uh, was a pretty decent uh, top eight. And uh, really, my my favorite part was that Pig of the Hut did so well. He's a really awesome Atlanta player who has been super friendly. And to see him succeed and to see him react to how well he was doing, uh, that was really great to watch. He didn't make it all the way. As a matter of fact, his, his final match was not too hot. But... Uh, Shout-outs to him and congratulations to him. Uh, the, there was all sorts of different people played. Uh, I'm not a huge Injustice fan. I don't keep up with it too much, but I guess it's a it's a it's definitely far and away better than the uh, the Aquaman Superman show that it was. Oh my god! Yeah, Superman so, and Aquaman were so broken uh, early on. I, one thing I did find interesting. Um, now again, like you, I don't. I, I'm not a big Nether Realms fan, but I do kind of follow along with the results, so I know some of the names. But maybe I just haven't been paying attention. But I don't know that before Evo, I really knew who Sonic Fox, Fox was. But not only did he win Injustice, but he also won the Mortal Kombat Nine uh, side event. Yeah, yeah, and also the uh, Dead or Alive Ultimate Tournament. Oh, did he win the DOA too? Damn. Yeah. He. Um, uh... Uh, and he's like, he's like what, 14, 15 dudes a savant. He's a wow. Like uh, he's only, he's, he's just a teenager. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. He's a young, he's a young kid. And this was actually his first Evo that he's taking the top prize at these, in these events. Okay. So I, I wasn't just like out of the loop on some of these games. He just literally not necessarily came from nowhere, but he's, he's a fairly recent addition to this. Mm hmm. That's really good that he's able to to enter not just um you know the the NRS games but also doing well in a game like Dead or Alive which I always you know every time I see that at a uh, at a term I always go should I enter Dead or Alive because I used to play uh, Dead or Alive uh, 2 Ultimate online back in the day and I used mm -hmm. to I used to think of myself as being pretty hot shit at that game but I probably <laughs> wasn't um, so I'm always like, should I do that? Should, do I really want to open myself up to that again? But, uh, don't go down that, don't go that dark, dark hallway, Get that away dark jiggly hallway. hallway. Yeah. <laughs> so I was, I was, I thought it was entertaining. It was fun to watch. Um, but, uh, I guess after that, uh, those were the finals for that day, but, uh, street fighter qualifiers were that day trying to get down to top eight. Oh my God. That was, I, I don't know. Like I, I love Marvel. That's my game. I love watching it. But in terms of just drama and surprises and, you know, sort of if you follow the fighting game community and fighting game tournaments closely, you know who the top players are, you know who to expect in top eight. And to see very few of those players that that are in like that first rung uh, survive the first day, you know, Daigo was out. Justin was out. It was um, it was just infiltration was out. If anybody, if anybody was trying to bet on who was going to make top eight, I guarantee you nobody would have come up with that list. And no, yeah, the top eight ended up being um, Luffy, Bonchan, Fudo, Snake Eyes, Gact, uh, Ricky Ortiz, uh, Momochi, and Sako. I guess Ricky, uh, Momochi, Ricky, and Fudo aren't necessarily surprises. I mean, Fudo won Evo a couple of years yeah. ago, and Ricky's, you know, finished second, um, losing to Daigo. But I would say uh, Ricky's probably one of the top Street Fighter Four players in the United States, and Sako is one of the five gods who they were all there. Yeah, but uh, that's 
<laughs> neither of them ended up winning. Um, it was it was pretty crazy. So um, that was just so intense, and I and it was exciting. Like you said, like Marvel is is its own brand of excitement, but the excitement doesn't necessarily come from the players; it comes from the game. Yes, uh, and, and play, yeah, in Street Fighter, it's it's very much reversed because it's a very different type of game. Um, I, I've played quite a bit of Street Fighter Four uh, in my day, although that's no longer the game I primarily focus on. But um, it's it's very more deliberate in its pacing. So it really is the players that generate the excitement because um, seeing seeing characters played in ways that you wouldn't otherwise expect. Um, Koji Koge, the the T Hawk player from Japan, oh which he was the best. He I mean, was you a see- nut. You see grapplers and you don't think, oh, this guy's going to just go in. I don't um, care. I'm going yeah, in. That that's, guy but, was a pleasure to watch. Yeah, he, he played a style befitting a much faster character um, using T-Hawk. And it was just a joy to watch. I mean, I kind of wish he had made it to top eight. He did mm-hmm. He did end up doing uh, pretty well. Top Top 24, I think it was tied for 17th with yeah. uh, eight other players. But um, he, he did very well for himself. I would love to watch more of him because it was just, it's so ridiculous. It's, it's, it, it really, for somebody who is used to thinking about Street Fighter in a very certain way, it's very refreshing and very fun to see sort of those preconceived notions just absolutely destroyed by this guy. Uh-huh. So then that pretty much bridges us to day two where right. it was the uh the finals were king of fighters and was there anything else um maybe injustice was day two injustice was yeah, day two injustice was day two and then king of fighters uh i mean i personally like if reynold and bala are in i just didn't find it interesting i think the I, I enjoy King of Fighters. I really do. I think it's a fun game. I wish the netcode was better so I could have really gotten into it. Um, but the thing, that I, I don't know. Maybe somebody will come along and and turn the game around. But it really does seem like there's an established hierarchy in uh, KOF. It, it seems like a figured out game. Yeah. And so, um, you know, Shaohai ended up winning it uh, with EX. It wait, you know. Stop me if you've heard this. There was an EX uh, Eori and a Mister Karate on the team. King of DLC. Yeah, and that's. I kind of hate that. I mean, I mean. Yeah, it's it's just. I mean, and the thing is, is it's never going to be patched. They might make another game, but the game is pretty much done being worked on. So it's at the top, you know. And there's there's not a lot of character depth in this game like there is in like King of Fighters 02 or King of Fighters 98. There's just that, not that many characters. And so it, it becomes more difficult to find those like crazy character specialists that do well at a high level. And it, it's kind of a shame because I really like the engine that it's built on because it has elements of Street Fighter, but there's also because of some of the changes that they've done, the combo system and, uh, you know, the the EX gauge and the other gauge that they have, I forget what it's called. But, you know, there's also kind of like a Marvel element to it for, you know, however long your gauge lasts, you can go into, you know, full-on infinite mode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I, I kind of like it because you get a little bit of the best of both worlds because, you know, the game does require a strong sense of, you know, fundamentals, uh, like a Street Fighter. But then there, you know, all of a sudden the game just 
flips and you're watching this crazy combo. So it's it's kind of fun, but unfortunately, because the the window of you know characters that seem to succeed at least in the current you know metagame at high levels right now is so narrow, you just end up watching you know the same thing over and over, and it it's not quite as fun. Yeah, uh, I've heard. Uh, I read on Twitter. I can't remember who said it, but uh, King of Fighters is. I agree. King of Fighters is sort of like soccer. Like there's a lot of like, uh, well, I'm jockeying for position. I don't know. But then there's that explosive element that everyone is waiting for. And sort of that hesitation and that anticipation is what really brings the hype in that game. Yeah. Um, I, I was actually thinking that, um, Street Fighter is more along soccer and Marvel is more along the lines of American football, but that was just because of the result. <laughs> um, yeah. but but we'll get to we'll get to that later um yeah and marvel pools were that day um i don't know that i remember seeing any like crazy crazy upsets i think the biggest upset was probably apology man not making it into top eight yeah uh but sure. shout shouts to uh to coach steve because he really took it took it to him and nova versus firebrand is a matchup that i think because of um the uh, repulsor shield or whatever it is, uh, gravita- gravitational pulse, I think is what it is, um, that Nova has really kind of shuts down a lot of what that team wants to do because <laughs> it can block, you know, doom beam assist. It can keep firebrand from, you know, doing kidnap. So it really allows him to control that space. And mm-hmm. coincidentally, zero has a difficult time against Nova for the same reasons. Um, I kind of feel like, when I was when I was thinking, I really didn't think that Apology Man would make top eight because I feel like he's just a player who needs to work on his nerves. Like his plan is foolproof, but it requires him to have an iron like set of nerves. And just like you saw at Curly, the what was it like the week before, the week of? Yeah, yeah, the week he was before. Just, he was psychologically dismantled by f champ and it showed and i just felt like he didn't have the mental toughness to make it and event apparently he didn't i do think he's an amazing player that has come up with an amazing strategy and perhaps in the future we'll see if uh he can sort of work on that and eventually find that mental toughness he needs to eventually pull an evo out i think i think you hit the head uh the nail pretty squarely on the head there because um just in my own experience, you know, doing there, there's different stages to performing in Marvel. There's being able to do something difficult in, say, training mode. There's being able to work that ability to do it into a match and to have the, you know, sort of wherewithal to perform it and do it, you know, in the way that you practiced instead of trying to rush through it because you've got the adrenaline pumping. And then there's not just doing it in a match, but doing it in a tournament. And then there's doing it in a tournament when everything's on the line and you have to, have to, have to absolutely, you know, pull this trick off um, at that moment. Especially because it's so specific, being able to figure out when to do it in scrambles, uh, figuring out what, what team order you need to put your team in, in between kills to set it up, the the frame specific timing. Uh, It's definitely not easy stuff. No, but I I think, I want to believe that he'll get there. Maybe he won't, but uh, it, it just seems like that is such a solid team that has such a structure to it 
that is difficult to, to deal with for most teams. Mm-hmm. Um, that I, I just can't help but feel like he's he's gonna make it one of these years, and maybe it's next year, maybe it's not, but we'll see. My pick to win it was Chris G, and I feel like he underperformed this uh, this year. Um, I really thought that uh, him losing against Marn was like, uh oh, that's trouble, that's trouble, because he really shouldn't have lost against Marn, and it was obvious that he shouldn't have when he quickly three would him in top eight. I. I believe this. I've experienced this, but obviously, you know, player player skill is a huge factor in this. But I believe that purely, just in theory, I do believe that Mar- Martin Martin and I play the same team, and I don't play the team because of Martin. I've played that team since the day the game came out, but nobody believes me because all those characters are top tier, and I didn't know that going into it. But whatever, it's fine. Um, but I do believe that that team beats Mordoom. But I believe it requires you to be patient because you can use uh, Zero's H Fireball to negate a Soul Fist. You can use Buster to snipe Doom. You can use Strider to keep Morgan on the ground. But the game has to be played basically at full screen. You you want to engage Morgan into that firefight. Um, mm-hmm. But Marn does not possess the patience. Oh my god, Marn has no... Like, Marn just goes, and yeah, he just flops. goes randomly, flops around until he thinks he might have something, and then he X-factors, and then he goes. Yeah, blocking is not in Marn's vocabulary. Defense is not a part of his game plan. Um, and so when when you say that, you know, when I saw that he beat Chris G, I wasn't surprised because I know the team can do it. And I've seen uh, Flocker use that team on occasion against Chris G. But again, I don't know that they've quite got the match experience with that team. Uh, at least Flocker doesn't. Flocker Flocker plays a more defensive style zero, something closer to what I aspire to. Um, whereas Marn is just like all in all the time. And if Marn could learn to and he, he never will because that's just that's just not Marn. But if he yeah. could ever play that a little bit more slowly, I think he'd be able to beat them because Marn is generally pretty bad, but he has this weird habit of beating top players in big moments. Like he's beaten Daigo in the tournament before in Street Fighter. It's happened. I've watched it with my own eyes. It was pretty hype. Um but you know, he he just doesn't he doesn't have any discipline. Um I think uh, I think Apology Man was also was a pretty big like surprise. I think also PR Rog was another big surprise that he wasn't. Um, yeah, PR Rog went out fairly early. Uh, I got him here at uh, he tied for twenty fifth, and uh, yeah. it was really interesting because uh, when he played a match, he played somebody who was just about to eliminate him, and then that person's stick paused and. Per Evo rules, I know a lot of people were like, oh, uh, PR Rog's a scumbag for taking the win. Per the rules, you have to take the win. Yeah, they, in Evo, they sense. don't even give you the choice. Uh, if your stick malfunctions or anything for any reason and it causes a pause in the game, sorry, you're down. But later, he tweeted that he lost and got sent to losers because his stick did the same thing. <laughs> That's So, so it's sort of karma. I, I guess, or coincidence. I, I don't know. Yeah, but, yeah. I but, mean, uh, you know, Fighter's a good player. Something that uh, I thought he was going to be able to do, but uh, I don't know who eliminated him, but it was 
it was kind of crazy not to see him there. Um, and it was great to see Jan. I love yeah, it. I was just, just going to mention that. Um, it, was, it was really interesting seeing him make it into top eight. Um, just because he does, he does play, you know, Hulk, Hagar, and Shumagoreth. My favorite character, Shumagoreth. I love watching Sum- Shumas. You know, Shuma. And Angelic or Jan. I just love seeing that character on the screen. Um, yeah, I, I never gave Shima the time of day until I saw Angelic for the first time. I'm like, you know what? This is actually kind of a legit character. I mean, he has a really, a really good assist. Um, it's just, he's, he's a charge character. He takes a little bit of execution to learn. Um, but he's, he's an excellent character. He has weird mobility and weird hitboxes and, you know, if people don't know, don't have any experience with him, he can, he can be hard to deal with. Um, but it was cool seeing Jan uh, do so well, except he ran in. Was it a Filipino champ that ultimately it was sent Filipino him Filipino champ. The, the, the Hagar Destroyer. The, <laughs> the futility of life. <laughs> I, I was so happy about that. I know a lot of people were mad, but I like it when people pull out, like, just asshole things like that. And that was the best. That made for, me for, so happy. For people that don't know what we're talking about, um, Jan, I think, plays Hagar on Anchor normally. Um, yes. And Hagar has this invincible assist, and it's also uh, fairly invincible, at least for the first couple of frames, uh, called a Lariat. And it's just performed uh, you know, when he's on point by just hitting two buttons. It's, it's very brain-dead. Haggers do it all the time. If they're getting hit, they'll just sit there and jam on two buttons waiting for you to drop something. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently, Champ hates dealing with the assist, hates dealing with the character, and he plays one of the main characters he plays is Magneto. And Magneto has this move called Repulsion that just will push you away from Magneto. Um, and Hagar has absolutely no recourse to do anything about it. Literally nothing he can do if it's just him. Um, you know, if you have an assist, you might be able to, to tag Magneto and, and get in that way. But playing him on anchor opened him up to just you know, getting timed out by getting pushed away by Filipino champ over and over and over again. And supposedly what the story is, is that Filipino champ hates the character and hates people who play Hagar so much that he wants to demoralize them from ever playing the character again. He wants to say, there's nothing you can do to me. It's absolutely hopeless. Uh, Pick another character. And uh, I'll be frank. If he did that to me, I'd be like, well, that's the end of this character. I'm never touching him again. It would I, absolutely work on me. I'm I'm a little bit more resilient in my character choices because I don't pick them based on tears. I pick them because I enjoy that character. I mean, it wouldn't matter if Zero was worse than Dan. I would still play Zero. There is nothing in this world that could stop me. Um, I, you. Well, I but, respect that. I'm changing my Street Fighter character after this weekend. I'm I'm oh. sticking with. I'm sticking with Jerry because she was uh, her actress is at Hamicon. She's been on this podcast a number of times. I am all in on Jerry. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you, man. I respect that. Uh, well, we got we got kind of out of order with uh, Marvel. Is there anything else you want to say about Marvel? Uh, well, we'll we'll get to the finals later. But you okay. know, I, I'll I could go on about that for days. But go ahead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> onward, well, onward and upward. After that, um, that was the end of day two, and then day three of Evo always. Always the day to watch, and yep. this this year Evo certainly did not disappoint. 
it was an amazing day of finals. Um, what was Dave? What what were finals on Sunday? Blaze Blue, Killer Instinct, Melee, uh, Marvel, and Ultra. Yeah. Um, so I guess so we can start with Blaze Blue. I guess, or do you want to start with Ki? Uh, Blaze Blue, I feel like is uh well. I guess we can start with Ki since uh, Blaze Blue is a lot of uh, things to talk about. Yeah, I don't. I don't have much to say about Ki, and part of it is because I don't own an Xbox One and don't plan to. And um, part of it was I never really got heavy into Ki back in the day either. But um, I, I'm right there with you. I didn't really. Um, I thought it was. I thought it was an interesting grand finals. I, I watched the whole grand finals or the whole top eight rather. Yeah. And uh, I mean, the game looks great, but it looks super frustrating to play because once I get a hit confirm, I want to do my combo. I don't have to worry about getting broken. But. Uh, CD Jr., who is a, a divisive player on Twitter, there's a lot of things he says that I'm like, geez, what the hell are you thinking? But uh, he put in a lot of time. Uh, my girlfriend at the time brought up something interesting. The uh, pop bonus that was added to this tournament was added by Razor, who is also a big sponsor of EG, who also sponsors Justin Wong. And Justin Wong basically wins every Killer Instinct tournament. So it was almost like they were betting on the money to come back to them. Yeah, but he ended up coming in third, which yeah. isn't you know anything to sneeze at. He plays a lot of different games, so you know where where he finds the time to be good at Killer Instinct. I don't know. Uh, I kind of feel like it's more like other people aren't good at fighting games than he is. Yeah, and, uh, and so basically, the the people that are both good at fighting games and good at Killer Instinct are the people that beat him. Yeah, and. Uh, I suppose CD Jr. and Rico Suave both uh, fall under that category because they mm-hmm. finished ahead of them. I was, uh, I kind of wanted Rico to take it because uh, he'd been playing Thunder the whole time, and that character just looks like on screen looks awesome, super awesome. But uh, uh, apparently, he had basically a crisis of conscience, and he decided to go to other characters, and he just yeah. bring something up to uh, deal with Sadira. Yeah, the event hub listing has him playing five characters. So if he played Thunder all the way up to uh, Grand Finals, you know, he uh, he definitely went all over the place trying yeah, to deal with he, her. He switched to Glacius to fight uh, Jay Wong's Saberwolf, and that was a great set. That was basic. That was a good set to show off why somebody should play this game. I feel like it kind of it, it featured all of the aspects of the game. It featured basically uh, uh, a good example of the footsies, of how to effectively break, of how to effectively counter breaks. Um, it was a game, after the top eight, I did want to try and play it. And I feel like that was the best that it could have done. Because this is a game that is not on a console that I own, and it's not on a, a, you know, a console I'm going to own. But uh, they did a great job showing it off. The commentary was great. I'm usually not a huge fan of Maximilian, but I feel like since he started working on Killer Instinct exclusively and has one thing to talk about, he's much more tolerable. Yeah, he, well, yeah. That, it used that to be that to... he would go and play a new game and he was like, well, it's not Marvel, and then he would go back to Marvel. Yeah. And that that all got a little tiresome, too, because it was just like, you know, he, he ran out of things to say about Marvel at some point, too. He yeah. kind of... I mean, he was he, never a great player of Marvel. No, but he was he was okay. Um, but I think as the game evolved, he kind of didn't really keep up with it. But yeah. that's 
that's neither here nor there. I'm yeah, glad he's he did he did great there. I'm glad he's doing well for KI commentary. It's you know any any type of positive influence that people can have on the fighting game community is great. So more power right. to him. So um, then speak. we get to uh, unless you have something else to say about KI. no. I was, I was I was just gonna say speaking of games that uh, you know watching it really makes me want to get into it more is uh, Blaze Blue. This was this was to me was the story the tournament of of the the tournament. Uh, Blaze Blue was definitely a game that uh, had greatness thrust upon it when Arxis donated, I think it was $20,000 into the pot, which was more than any other pot in the, in, the, in the tournament. Like, no other game was paying out as much as Blaze Blue was. It was like a pure $5,000 to the winner plus $10,000 into the pot. Or something like that. Yeah, which, you know, good on, good on Arxis for doing that. Um, it, if fight if the fine game community is really going to ascend into sort of the esports proper world, um, not only does the community have to get behind these games, but so do the companies that make them. And uh, Arxis is definitely literally putting its money where its mouth is. I agree. Um, kudos to them. I felt like they were setting up basically the United States community to be really receptive to them when their new game that's catered for an international audience drops at the end of the year, the new Guilty Gear. And I think they're setting up all the all the dominoes for them to be a major player going into the next Evo. And if, if they can... T- see, I'm hoping that they... that And I'm sure they do, that they understand the long view of this. Um, that if they want to have their games be taken on the same level as you know some of the Cap, uh, Capcom and Namco games, and even even Smash now, um, then what they need to do is they need to put money into the pot to get a lot of top players interested. And it's weird. I don't understand it. I'm more of a person that just tends to play the games I like, and I don't care what anyone else is doing. Um, but where top players go, you know, like where Justin Wong goes, there are going to be people that are going to follow him into that game because they say, oh, Justin Wong's playing this. This must be a good game. Um, mm-hmm. So if if they have the money to draw players like him into uh, Guilty Gear Excerpt or, you know, Persona or Blaze Blue or whatever they decide to throw their money into, then that's that's just going to help uh, Arxis down the road. I agree. It's really, it's really uh, just setting up everything. And the narrative that they told with their game this year is definitely going to have people paying more attention to it. Um, I guess we can start with the, the pools. Uh, there were a lot of Japanese players that came, and everyone expected that you know Japan would be like the top sixteen. All the American players would be eliminated by the you know by the end of the day, and nobody would qualify in the top eight. Um, that and that was, the top eight would all be Kokonoe. Yes, also, which was a character who was released uh, right after the game came out in Japan last year, and the character was super broken. It was like unquestionably the best character in the game. By yeah, we talked we talked about it a little bit with Milne the last time you were on here, and yeah, you know, we knew there was a patch coming, but it, it seemed like after the patch, it was still very strong. If not, oh yes, still, definitely you know, still still top. Just not unbeatable, right? But uh, there were and there were a lot of people who abandoned their characters to to play Kokonoe, and in pools there were a lot of Kokonoe mirrors on stream. But um, eventually it came to fall that uh, 
there was not a single Kokonoe in top eight, which kind of goes to show you, um, especially in fighting games, it's sometimes it's not about the tier list. It's it's about how much work you put into your character. Um, I think I think it's worth noting that the only character to make an appearance in top eight that wasn't in Calamity Trigger, the first Blaze Blue game, was Azrael. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I see the that. Rest, the rest were all original, what was it, 12, 13 characters. Yeah. Um, and some of the characters that were in our top eight were characters that are pretty low on the list, like Tager and Bang. Man, that Tager player was so good, though. He was so amazing. It was so fun to watch him, and I, my heart went out to him when he finally drew the new 13 pl- player, which has always been, like, the worst matchup in the game since the beginning. I knew what the outcome was going to be, and he did his best, but it just wasn't going to happen. Um... Really, what I thought was interesting is that one of the prominent American players, Lord Knight, he was one of the people who decided to switch from Lychee to Kokonoe. And uh, that uh, decision turned out to uh, haunt him. I believe he lost to either SG or he lost to another Lychee. So uh, he uh, basically was killed by his own ex-waifu. Yeah, uh, that I, I saw somebody else say that on Twitter, you know, with... If you leave your waifu, she will come back to haunt you. But yeah. uh, I, so, I will uh, say, I love watching Lychee players. I've always loved watching Lychee uh, going all the way back to the first place, Blue, because that it's such an interesting character design. Yeah, she's um, uh, the, just the, the combos that she can do are, are fun to watch. Not not only that, but just the way she approaches, the way she mixes up opponents. Um, seeing her in the corner is just absolutely, you know, it's... It's a thing of beauty. I love watching mm-hmm. it. Um, it was uh, also interesting to see. Like I thought, I thought if any American player could do it, it'd be Banana Ken. But Banana Ken was uh, a Banana Ken tied for ninth with uh, another player who a lot of people were. Um, it seemed like some of the Blaze Blue community was kind of shitting on, or I don't know what the language thing is on here. But uh, oh, d- trust me, uh, you can say where the fuck you want. We oh, don't. okay. But, uh, Pops, Pops, uh... Oh, the Platinum player? Yes, the Platinum, the Trinity, which is generally regarded as a very poor character. But, uh, this player who came from online play, he, that's where he was forged, was online. And he came and he started taking major events. And it seemed like some of the community were just like, oh, well, he's just not, you know, they were making excuses for his wins. But, you know, he placed ninth in the biggest tournament for the biggest payout. I don't think anyone can disregard or disrespect his work. And he's a young kid, too. I feel like because he's young and he's not listening to like, oh, well, this is the way you're supposed to play the game. And these are the characters you're supposed to pick that people were sort of, you know, shitting on him a little bit. But I feel like he definitely proved himself in this tournament. Well, I feel that and it's something we've kind of alluded to before when we were talking about um, Koji Kog. So so much of what makes fighting games wonderful isn't, you know, the tier list or anything. It's the way that people play a character, stick to a character, and adapt to matchups, even the ones that are considered to be particularly bad. Maybe not, you know, Magneto versus Hagar bad, but, <laughs> you know, still pretty bad. And just seeing somebody that is sort of at the, the height of understanding of a character... Um, is always fun to watch because it always produces unexpected results. And that's something that we'll even talk about again 
uh, in Street Fighter later. Yes. Um, and so uh, the top eight was set, and uh, Enno was in. I thought that that would, was going to be it. Galileo was in. Galileo is, was on the stream all day. Um, Dora Bang was... It was awesome to see Dora there. He's always fun to watch. But uh, that top eight was probably some of the most dramatic of the entire tournament, um, especially when you got to that top four. Um, yeah. Dora, Dora was up there trying his best, uh, but really Galileo, uh, player, player of the tournament for me. Um, when he faced up against Dogura in winner's finals, it was a quick 3-0 from Dogura. It was pretty concise. So I was like, oh, well, I don't know if Galileo can do it. He's, he's basically just been you know, blown up, and then he's struggling against Dora, and uh, just eventually he sort of basically gets by barely against Dora and sets up for that matchup. And I'm like, this is going to be pretty tough. But uh, that, that matchup, Galileo versus Dogura, um, everyone who, who doesn't understand fighting games or is not, you know, doesn't understand why people would watch a fighting game, go watch that set. Uh, Galileo versus Dogura. Uh, I feel like it was one of, it's definitely the most significant Blaze Blue match that will ever be played in human history. I, I will put money down on that. Well, at least it was, it was for a large payout. But it, it was interesting to watch him battle back um after you know getting beaten pretty decisively in uh winners finals and you know it's it was one of the more back and forth grand finals um you know a lot of the grand finals that we'll talk about later were pretty decisive like there wasn't there wasn't a lot of you know they there may have been brackets reset, but there is never a lot of doubt in the outcome of some of these. Um, but this one was, it was high drama and it was, it was great to watch. And just to watch the, the flares of emotion come out from Galileo. And then he's like, all right, I can't get too crazy. I have to get myself back in and to watch him just, you know, sink so close to being eliminated and win that next round to get him that next game. All right. And to see his face, he's like, all right, I won this, but I got to get back in it. I'm not done yet. And to see him continue to do that, and then eventually he resets the bracket, and it's amazing. Everyone's going crazy. He's going crazy. But he knows that he's got to sit back down and do it all over again, and he almost breaks it off. He goes down, I think, 0-2 or 1-2, and and then he finally just brings it all the way back. And you can also see on, on Dogura's face when he's like, I can't put him away. Like, I've done all of these things. You start to see them drop stuff because they've just their nerves are so high and they've run out of ideas that they're just starting to just throw everything to the wall to see what sticks and just to see Galileo win it and break down. And it was just it was an emotional moment. Yeah. And Evo Grand Finals are always emotional. I don't know if if people um, outside of the fighting game community that don't necessarily uh, have have something that they aspire to that they compete in regularly can really understand because evo is you know it to, to say it's the super bowl of, of fighting games isn't you know isn't hyperbole um everybody there that's there knows that is the pinnacle that is the height of of any tournament that they'll ever go to no tournament that they'll ever play and will have more significance um so when when you get to these grand finals you know emotions are always running high because it means so much to these players 
it was it was just it was phenomenal. Um, apparently, they had uh, Mori on the uh, Japanese uh, restream. They had him as a guest on the restream, and he was so emotional after the people played his game, and they he just saw all the effort and everyone celebrating his work. I feel like it was just so crazy seeing all of those people cheering for Blaze Blue, which you know the last time Blaze Blue was in, it was just you know maybe. A handful of people who were just up that early, but yeah. it was just main room hype that early in the morning, and it was just a joy to watch. And I'm just kudos to all of those players, and kudos to to Arxis to making that happen. And uh, that was just a great tournament. And then there was the melee tournament. <sighs> okay, so this is where this is where I'm gonna try and. Uh keep the disparaging comments to a minimum, but there are a few things I just feel like I have to address. Uh-huh. Um, I've talked before about, you know, my issues with the way that, uh, the, the smash community approaches that game. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get into those any more than I already have. Uh, but here's what I will say. These matches take too fucking long. I fucking agree with you. I, I do not like to me, the best thing that ever happened in Melee, there was one match where it was uh, more Razor Axe. I think he's from uh, Chile, maybe. Yeah, I don't... the Pikachu player? Yes. And yeah, he he's... ended a match in 55 seconds. I know that it was 55 seconds because I was so impressed with the fact that it was 55 seconds. It was so dominating, too, because I I'd been watching Top 8 for what felt like an hour, and it probably was, even though it was still very early on in Top 8. And uh, I remember watching him come on and, you know, he 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 gets a KO on a guy and does the little Pikachu teleport back up to the stage. I'm like, oh, well, that was fast. But, you know, it'll probably be another, you know, three or four minutes before he gets another kill. A lucky no, shot, he goes lucky right shot. back in and does the same damn thing. I'm like, I'm like this oh. guy I like, this guy I'm rooting for. Exactly. Please go ahead and just burn through the rest of this tournament for me. He did his best, but uh, he didn't make it. Um, Mango repeats, um, and Hungrybox second place. Uh, Hungrybox did very, very well. I was, I was impressed watching him. I, I don't pretend to be a competitive Smash expert at all. Um, despite how many hours I spent with that game in college, mm-hmm. uh, it was never at a high level. Um, but I. Yeah, they I kind of just, they need to schedule correctly. Like they always, they're like, "Oh, well, Ma- Smash will take two hours." And it's like, um, no. only in like the alternate dimension does it take two hours. I was, I was actually f- afraid that we were gonna have a racket reset for a minute because hungry. I know. I was just cheering for whoever was ahead, just so that we get it done. Yeah, I, I'm cheering. I'm cheering for it, and not out of disrespect to the players or the community, but because this takes too damn long and i don't know how to fix it um i don't i i kind of feel like it's not i feel like they're going to take a chance on smash 4 next year instead of melee i hope so and uh speaking of smash 4 i'm kind of excited about this roster the way it's shaping up because every so often there'll be a new character that i'm like eh whatever and then almost the next announcement is somebody i'm like okay i want to play this character because yeah, uh, I feel they, like they announced uh, Robin and Lucina from Fire Emblem Awakening, and mm-hmm. Lucina looks pretty awesome. I mean, I, you know, she's obviously you know kind of in that same mold as Marth, but we'll see what they end up doing to make her different. But you know, I, I could be interested. I don't necessarily mind, um, 
different versions of the different Fire Emblem characters as long as they're interesting. Like, I feel like Ike and Marth are very interesting, diverse characters. I don't know how Lucina will fit into that. Uh, Robin appears to be something completely different in terms mm-hmm. of play style from those characters. When you've got, when you got like an archetype that has been like a, a popular, like competitive archetype for like a design of a character, you know, it, you know, adding a bunch of Shotos, you, you can't really mess it up. And yeah. then there are people who like specific aspects of this Shoto or that Shoto kind of deal. So it's, it's a safe bet, I feel. Yeah. And not to mention characters like Palatina and Rosalina, I am extremely excited about. So I'll probably pick up the game on 3DS because I'm not buying a Wii U. But uh, I do hope that they do take the time and they give it a shot and don't just stick to Melee and Project M. Because, like you said, I feel like there are problems with those games, logistical problems, that need to be addressed. Like, there's no reason why these should be four stock eight minutes like i was talking with my friends when we were watching why is it not five minutes and three stock like right you know, you go first to three in any other fighting game or three out of five in any other fighting game why is it four stock not three stock like there's no reason for it yeah it, it's it's very belabored um it's for me personally and i'm not trying to you know disrespect anybody it's not fun to watch for me as just like a casual observer boring as hell oh Uh, and i'm not and it's it's the thing is is like i understand that maybe people thought like snake eyes versus ricky was boring because it was a it was not an exciting match it was a very uh you know it was a master class sort of match like this is the top level and the top level doesn't look flashy yeah it was it was a chess it was a chess master match yeah, but the thing is, is if I'm if I'm shooting you with a fucking uh, Falco laser forever for eight minutes, then I can't kill you. I can chip you out with a fireball. So that end game of just chess master or quote unquote fireball spam, there's you can win doing that in in Street Fighter. You can't win doing that in melee. And uh, it's just some of the matchups, especially versus some of like the the Jigglypuffs, the super floated characters that don't die ever. Yeah. It's just, it's just yeah. I mean, it sucks because the Smash community is amazing. They have done amazing things for their game, and they've done amazing things for our tournaments. Like, they are the reason why some of our tournaments are reaching the levels, the numbers, the money. It's because of them, but fuck if their game is not the worst. Um. I, I will say to your point about, you know, hopefully the Smash community embraces Smash 4 instead of sticking with Melee and Project M. I do feel like Nintendo's trying to meet them halfway, and I hope that they return the favor. I, because because Nintendo, for the longest time, and we all know this, and we've talked about it before uh, on the podcast, Nintendo made some of the dumbest decisions ever in last year in the way that they handled, uh, you know, the Smash tournament and almost you know, didn't happen at Evo last year. And then they, you know, this year they fully supported it. They did an invitational tournament uh, for Smash 4 at E3. They've added elements uh, into the game to make it friendly for tournament players. It looks like they're finally at least making an attempt at embracing that community instead of shunning it because uh, Sakurai has gone on the record before saying he doesn't want to cater to, you know, these fanatic players and he wants to make the game for everybody. And I, I hope that they're starting to realize that you can have both and yes, you can have yes. the, the casual smash and you can have the competitive smash because 
Um, you know, say what say what you will about about melee, but they uh, the Smash community did manage to uh, have a long-standing community built around a game that was never meant for competition. Yes, like yes. not even once. Uh, and that's not that's not disrespect. That's not me trying to, to bring up the old Smash is not a fighting game debate. But, I mean, um, all of my but problems it, it just, are just personal problems. Like their their community has done a lot, but it's just not my cup of tea. No, it's and I, you know, I've I've said this before. I'm a Marvel player. We embrace the broken shit. Uh, the more broken it is, the more likely we are to use it. So mm-hmm. if if the Marvel community was running Smash, we'd leave in all the characters, all the items, and all the stages. That's just how we would do it, and we <laughs> would deal with it. Um, yeah. So, I, you know, it's it's more of a... Um, I'm more of a let-it-rock guy. I feel like there is some strategy to uh, navigating sort of the random element that some of those things uh, bring in. Mm-hmm. Um but that's just somebody who's played a lot of four on four smash with friends and stuff. I mean, a, a ridiculous amount. Um, but, but it's just, it's just my own mindset, but they've, you know, they've done well with, with the direction that they've chosen. And since Nintendo's embracing that to a, to a degree, I hope that they in turn will embrace this new game and they can kind of, they, they can both move forward together. We can move on past melee and that's not to say that you won't have melee tournaments in the future, whatever. I mean, people still play Marvel too, Yes. but you know, it, that game has been out for, it's been out for over 10 years now. I know that for a fact, cause I was playing it in college. <laughs> um, so it's time to move on. Yeah. And ho- I'm, hopefully I'm, smash four will be that game. It looks great. Um, I haven't gotten, the, you know, I've, I've covered the game. I've not gotten a chance to actually play it. I wish I had, um, but I'm I'm excited when I finally do get the opportunity for it, and I hope that next year that game will bring the hype to Evo in a way that I just didn't feel like Melee did. Yeah, and and speaking of games that didn't feel bring the hype, I personally feel like uh, this was KOF's last year. I feel like there's just too much new stuff coming down the pipeline, and the game has basically run its course, and I don't think it's coming back next year. I sadly probably have to agree with you, and I really, I really want SNK to play more, and I want Atlas, you know, to work together again on bringing something. Uh, I think I've even seen whispers that uh, SNK is looking for people to work on a new game. Uh, it's not, it's not like rumors. It's something that they're actually doing. It's something they've been doing, but uh, the game is not ready yet. And maybe when the game is released, it'll be you know the new replacement. If it's Samurai Spirits, I'm hella down. That is by oh, yes. my favorite game series. Yep. I am I am so in. Give me Galford, give me Poppy. We will yeah. do this thing. Yeah. But uh we'll see. There were a lot of new games at uh at Evo. And I feel like it's also a testament to um the Japanese fighting game community sort of recognizing that they're on the international stage instead of they're their own cloistered thing that everyone else just gets a handful of every so often. Uh, the first place to play the new DLC characters was Evo at, for Persona. Yeah. Um, the first place to play the new DLC characters for uh, Undernight Inbirth was also Evo. Oh, cool. I didn't know that they, they had the presence for that game there, but that's that's cool to hear. Yes, absolutely. I was super hyped for that. I was, I was like, you know, it's nice that they're finally showing up here. They understand that there's a scene here. And if they develop it and throw bones to the United States audience, they will reciprocate in kind with their cold hard cash. Speaking of things I want Japan to bring over that there is zero chance of happening, 
Man fighting climax. I would love to play. Uh, that game. No, they can keep that. No, yeah, I know. There's no chance of that. There's no chance of they that can working keep out. That. I, I am not. I am not interested in waifu the fighting game. I am. I am. And I'm not interested in that game. I am all in on waifu the fighting game because, give, give me Shauna, give me uh, <sighs> Makoto from Railgun. I uh, just, oh just give it all to me. Give me all the waifu. <laughs> Bring it to me. Jeez. I mean, <laughs> I never thought that Aquapaza would ever come here under any circumstances. And, and it's same much- with TVC. So it's like, never say never anymore. It could show up. Oh, TVC, good times. I'm sorry your netcode was so bad. Yeah. Um, speaking of bad netcode, it's time for Marvel, baby. Yeah, when we left off. Um, so here's the top eight. Um, Coach Steve, Marn... Uh, Jan Flocker, Ray Ray, uh, Filipino champ, Chris G, Justin Wong. Um, aside from, uh, okay, so Justin Wong belonged there, Chris G belonged there, Filipino champ belonged there, Ray Ray belonged there, Flocker definitely belonged there. Um, Jan, Marn, and, and Coach Steve were all. They were uh, the they were the wild cards. They yeah they were the wild cards. Although I I, th- I don't think anything was more wild than Marn making a top eight. I, I just didn't have that. I mean, and when he made. When he made the top eight, like part of me really just wanted him to win, just just to go full crazy. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, the first few years of Marvel have been like, okay, I can understand why this player won. I can understand why you know Viscant and Filipino Champ and Flocker all won, but just to have one guy come out from left field and be like, okay, I don't get it anymore. That would have been terrific. Because as much as people say that Marvel is random. Um, there's there's a very established hierarchy of players and not necessarily characters. I mean, the characters uh, that you would think dominate the game don't necessarily do it. There's not as many Zero players as you'd think. There's not as many More Doom players as you'd think. There are, however, just about as many Magneto and Doctor Doom players as you'd think. Oh, yeah. Like I was I was telling my friend a lot. There's a lot of people that tried the Morgan Doom and it's just like you can't do it. Like, yes. Yeah, you have to be Chris G to do it. Like other people can do it, but it's just not going to be good enough. Like you're not Chris G. You can't play that. You're not good enough at thinking how to play that. Yeah. People, people tend to dismiss a lot of, you know, some of the high tier stuff in Marvel as just being easy and brain dead until they actually have to try it. And that's always, that's always my challenge to people when they say, Oh, zero is so easy. I'm like, okay, well you get good with them. You know, you let's 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 see you. You go ahead and practice for a month, then you come back and try and beat me with my own character. It's not going to happen. Yeah, and and I I definitely respect uh, anyone who's playing this game at a high high level because it took me about three hours of me almost literally like smashing a controller to realize this game was not for me. Yeah, it's it's a tough mistress. It really is. I uh, but uh, as the tournament progressed. Uh, Chris G was looking really strong. He was 9-0 before he got, you know, before he faced Filipino champ. He was like, I'm coming for number one, and everybody's gonna get aside. He squashed Marn. Uh, I believe it was it was either Flocker or Ray Ray. I can't remember who his second it was. I think it was Flocker. It was, yeah, it was Flocker, and then he played Ray Ray, which is an old uh, NLBC uh, run back. Yeah. And he showed him showed him how that went. Um, yeah. Philip, uh, so we go to winners finals with Justin Wong, who's playing pretty good, and Filipino Champ, who's playing pretty good, and uh, that was a pretty exciting winners finals. Yeah, uh, that really was. I mean, 
to say that Justin lucked out is kind of an understatement. And it's not like, you know, Champ is necessarily prone to nerves because he's won, he's won Evo in this game before. It wasn't his first radio. Um, but there was just this wild scramble at the end of that set. And all of a sudden, I'm looking up and I'm like, how did Justin win that? Champ had him. All right. I, I went back. I watched the tape. I watched the footage. What happened was it looks like Justin saw that his um, it was Dark Phoenix coming down yeah. on his Akuma. And he had thrown yeah. the, uh, the the fireballs from the air. And Filipino Champ was going down to teleport and to do his uh, Phoenix spam. And Justin Wong either knew or guessed that the hit stun of the up fireballs was going to run out before he got hit by the little mini fireballs when she throws out her normals. So he probably was like, all right, I think I've got a chance here. I'm just going to mash super. And if it gets blocked, I'm going to X factor and I'll be safe. But it, he doesn't block, and not only does he not block, he gets Doctor Doom out of nowhere. Yeah, and I'm like, was, "Wow, it was so ridiculous." I'm like, "Why are you, you know, why are you calling an assist in this situation?" Well, you know, I feel like I feel like F Champ thought that the uh, that he was going to be in enough block stun, like he was going to get the hit off the top fireballs, and then the bottom ones were going to hit, and then the missiles would come and add an additional amount of pressure. It was all because those things did not link. And Justin capitalized on that second that he got Phoenix and also got Doom. It was awesome to watch. Like, to go back and actually be like, that is exactly what happened. And it was just phenomenal. And after that, I was like, Justin's looking pretty strong. I guess he's going to probably do it. Justin's Justin's been pushing for this game for a long time. Uh, you know, this is, what, year? Yeah, Marvel came out in 2011. We're coming up on three years since Ultimate came out, because Ultimate came out in November of 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, and weirdly, Vanilla came out in February of the same year. But in any case, Justin's never won an Evo in in you know Marvel vs. Capcom 3 in any of those series of games, but he won he got, he you know Marvel so 2 every other year. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 just just so close last year, and he just didn't make it. And uh, I really thought it was going to be Chris G's year, and uh, I thought he was playing amazing. But when uh, when he got to the finals, I thought he completely phoned it in. I I kind of feel like uh, like I wanted are, Chris G to win, but the way that he played that set, he certainly didn't deserve to win. Are, are we calling collusion? Did did he and Justin split the pot? Well, I don't think I don't think <laughs> pot splitting aside. I just don't think uh, he was playing straight. I feel no. like uh, he uh, he wanted to try and get Virgil in to deal with uh, Storm and Wolverine. I he I think it felt like he was not confident in his more Doom shell to get the job done. Like there was a time in one of those games where he just raw tags Virgil for no reason. And 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 you know Justin scouts it out and blows him up. I'm like, if you want to start Virgil, then pick him first on the character select screen. Come Chris, on, Chris is prone to doing that. He's prone to just doing random hard attacks to try and catch you off guard. Um, I do I do feel like he's intimidated by uh, Wolverine players. He's lost to Angelic before. He's lost to Justin now two years in a row at Evo. He's been the one that's eliminated them. Um, you know, I think he's I think he's intimidated by that rush down, and rightly so, because Wolverine can get to you faster than you can throw a soul fist. That's the truth. Um, but 
And, and Virgil, yeah, especially with you know spiral swords and the round trip glitch, you can you can do a lot to really um, you know stifle Wolverine uh, well, in a match. I definitely don't feel that he has the best comeback, Virgil. I think that's uh, I think that's probably uh, PR Rog. Oh, I feel absolutely. like his 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 team is front loaded. Like Virgil works definitely, and Chris G is in a master player. But I just feel like he focuses more on the Morgan Doom, and it's just Virgil carries him more than he carries Virgil. Absolutely. Um, I think his Virgil is at his best when he's got Doom in front of him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he tried to set that situation up several times, but uh, because he was not making a lot of things happen during his Soul Fist, uh, his you know, Shadows... He just he was meter starved for most of the set. It seemed like he was just trying to to gasp for air to find something to do, and he just couldn't do it. I would have reordered that team, and far be it from you know, Chris G is a much more accomplished player than I than yeah. I am, or probably will ever be. But um, just strictly from my perspective, if you're going to to go with the Virgil versus Wolverine strategy, you should reorder your team and put. Virgil in front, Morgan second, Doom third, and basically. That's what I was like. Why won't you do this? Like basically, you can't do this. You know the the strategy there behind that would be. You know you have Morgan meter building assist, so you can keep using swords over and over. You can have Doom assist. Uh, you know, so you can kind of do the round trip glitch lockdown stuff with uh, round trip and missiles. We and uh, hit with Virgil, you use you know you X factor kill uh, Wolverine like immediately. Like sure, like. Get that, get that out of the way. Um, Storm and, and Akuma, you, definitely, you know, tough. Like especially Storm with X Factor. But I feel like Akuma is not a character that you know. Akuma can use X Factor three and come back, but not, not that hard. Not as hard as other characters. Yeah. Uh, see, I really feel like if he had reordered it in that way, he puts players into an interesting. Uh, dilemma it's like okay if i get the hit on virgil am i really gonna snap him out uh you know for doom you know is am, am i gonna put virgil back on anchor am i gonna bring in morgan and try and deal with her with missiles behind her the, um, are, it, it was just so crazy like the first match uh justin wong got a hit confirm and and snapped out for virgil and it was almost like by the end of it chris g is like oh let me do that for you yeah and and Playing it the way they normally does leaves him open to being reverse engineered. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if, if he wants to change the order up, you know, he should definitely put Doom in the back and put Virgil in the front and just make, let them make that choice. Do you want to do a snap out Virgil and bring in Doom and then, you know, have, you know, level three X Factor Virgil on deck? Or, you know, do you want to try and bring in Morgan and deal with my team, you know, as it's normally constructed? Um, but. I think there were some strategic errors there, but I also feel like Justin just really had his number. Just absolutely. I feel like you're right. Like, I feel like all of, all of that is a symptom of the fact that he was like, Justin, Justin just has me and I'm just going to try and do some different stuff and it's not going to work. And Justin's going to win in any, it was well-deserved and kudos to Justin. Certainly. Um, uh, it was, it was interesting. It was a great grand finals. I thought, you know, Filipino chant stuff and seems uh, Jan and Coach Steve play so well. Um, I was hoping that Flocker would do a little better. I was too. I was pulling for Flocker. But um, 
all in all, definitely shows that uh, the game is not dead. It can still deliver an amazing top eight. And there will be more Ultimate Marvel in the future. Yeah, I think that's pretty much given at this point. Um, all right, so last game. Grand in the home stretch. Uh, Ultra Street Fighter 4. And this, you know, Ultra Street Fighter 4 is not my, my favorite game in the world. I do enjoy it. But, oh, my God, you know, this this tournament. It was so much fun in terms of what your expectations are going in and what you actually got. When you think about, like, even Top 8 last year. Top 8 last year was, it almost seemed like a a predisposed, like, destiny. Uh, Shen was playing so well. Uh, I remember that last match, uh, I think it was versus Infiltration. Yeah. Um, It just seemed like Shen just had that matchup in, on the like, the back of his hand. It was not. Yeah. It was not a contested grand finals. Yeah, I uh, saw Shin coming that Evo long before that tournament started. I, I, I was telling people, I said Shin's going to win Ultra, or Shin's going to win AE, and Flocker's going to win Marvel, and that's how it went down that year. There you go. I'll never, I'll never get those right again. But that year, <laughs> I, that year I had it. But uh, you know, Shen wasn't there, and uh, we ended up having a pretty interesting uh, character spread grand finals. Snake Eyes with an amazing appearance with Zangief. It's like kudos um, to that man. That man is a worker. We alluded to this earlier, but the match between Snake Eyes and Ricky Ortiz and, and Seth Killian did an excellent job of, sort of illustrating this was a masterpiece by Snake Eyes because, you know, Seth was talking about, you know, this is such a bad matchup for Rufus mm-hmm. or, or for Zangief, Zangief, I mean, yes. against Rufus. That there should really be no you know set of circumstances uh, in which... Um, Zangief is able to beat Rufus. And we kind of saw that um, when Snake Eyes lost to, I think it was Fudo. Yes, it was Fudo. Um, and Winner's and winners side, because Fudo just really shut Snake Eyes down. It was, I don't it was think disheartening Zangief, to watch. I don't think Snake Eyes was able to jump once in that match without getting DP'd. No, like, it was... It was it was right on the verge of you know Hagar Magneto level futility. It looked Sna- it looked so difficult. And Snake Eyes is such a smart player, but he's a he's a character specialist, a character loyalist. He doesn't play anyone other than Zangief. He doesn't go to T Hawk or anybody else. You know he sticks with that character, but it was just such an uphill climb. He couldn't he couldn't make it. <laughs> and and um, later on later on in the match, he picked Ultra Two instead of going from Ultra One. And there was a specific instance where he got a red focus combo. And if he had not had Ultra Two, he would have been able to close that round out. And yeah, he didn't have it, and I felt like it. Basically, he was like, "Well, that was my chance to win, and I didn't even, I wasn't able to take care of it, so I'm gonna lose now." And yeah. so he lost the next two matches and was sent to losers bracket. But uh, with Ricky, um, there was sort of a genius in, you know, a lot of Zangief's normals lose to Rufus's normals. So, you know, what do Snake Eyes do? He more or less just stops throwing out any attacks. Don't push your button. It's a game about not pushing buttons. Yeah, you see that button, you want to push that button, but you're not supposed to. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. Seth did a great job illustrating that. Um, They had played, I believe they played at CEO, and it was a pretty, it was, no, I don't know if it was Ricky or Justin, but uh, it was was pretty much a, a done deal. It was, it looked awful. Like, I remember at one point, I was like, maybe I'll pick uh, Zangief because I was having a character crisis. And I was like, I don't know who I want to pick. I don't want to play Vega anymore. So I was like, maybe I'll pick Zangief. But uh, I have to see how they do against the dive kick matchups because those are the matchups that I really hate to play against Vega. 
And I took one look at that. I was like, well, I'm not picking Zangief. That looks awful. Um, but, uh, you... one thing that I see a lot of players do against, uh, you know, like Justin or Ricky when they're playing against their Rufus is I'll see them just get hit randomly. Like they'll mm-hmm. be blocking, they'll block something. And then I don't know if they're trying to like, uh, you know, mash out a, uh, throw tech or what they're trying to do, but they'll always, you know, try and hit some button against Rufus and it just doesn't work and it gets blown up. And I've always asked myself, why are you guys hitting so many buttons against Rufus? If you just wait long enough, there will be, you know, sort of an opportunity to, you know, sort of at least mount your own counter assault. It's just and Snake Eyes, I think throw game is just so tight with Rufus because, you know, you're going to be looking for the crouch tech and you just you can never mash crouch tech against these guys or you'll just straight lose. And so you're like, all right, well, they have very powerful buttons. And they can dive kick extre- incredibly low to the ground. So it's not really something I can react to and do like an any air. Um, so if you play unpredictable like Justin and Ricky can do, can really mix up those options. It's just it blows people up. Yeah. And Snake Eyes sort of took that that observation, that same sort of observation, and executed it masterfully in that match because it was just, you know, he he just outworked Ricky. He he took every opportunity that he was given and made the most of it. And it was incredible to watch. And by the end of the matchup, like Ricky was playing into Zangief. Like he was the matchup is really awful for Rufus right in front of Zangief, but most Rufuses that are good will never go there. But at the end, Ricky was like, I don't know, I'll just go in. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm losing this game the way I'm supposed to lose it. And it was really just surprising to see it happen. Yeah. So um, uh, I guess the, the tournament goes on. Uh, eventually, Snake Eyes is eliminated. Uh, I believe. Yeah. Uh, I believe it's by another Fei Long. No, was it was it Fei Long or was it Luffy? I, I no, it was Luffy. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say because uh, uh, Luffy kind of ran into this. Luffy's another character uh, specialist, another character loyalist, uh, not unlike Snake Eyes. And he went through the whole process of, uh, you know, he had to get through pools with whatever matchups he had to get to. But then something weird happened in top eight because it seemed like, you know, the match against Snake Eyes was definitely in his favor in terms of just pure matchup. Mm -hmm. Um, Rose is a very zoning heavy character Mm -hmm. and picking Ultra One. Uh, you know, that was another situation where Zangief could not jump to get in at all. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was just as brutal as, as the Fei Long matchup, if not more so. Um, then he played against, uh, Luffy played against Fudo in winner's finals. Um, that was, uh, yeah. that was where I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. Like this is history in the making. Cause I mean, yeah. Fudo, Definitely an, an Evo champion playing a very strong character and uh, who plays and very, a very bullying kind of dominating style, too. Yes, yes. He's he is very much a character that takes advantage of his frame advantage of his positioning. Like once Fei Long gets you into a corner, it's almost certainly a wrap for you. And yeah. to see to see Luffy fighting back and like see some of the stuff that he would do. Like, it's like, it, it's just like, why would you do that? That's like such an amateur thing to do at that time. But then it works and he gets the KO because of it, because it was like the last thing 
Fudo thought what was going to happen. Yeah, and um, so Luffy sends Fudo to Losers, and he ends up facing Bonchan in Losers Finals. And Bonchan, I think, just kind of put the the nail in the coffin of uh, Fudo. It was yeah. it was pretty decisive. And I I love watching Sagat. Bon- going into this, Bonchan was my favorite until I started watching Luffy playing, and then I was like, I'm rooting for this guy, and I'm changing my character to Rose because. Rose is uh, 100% a better Vega. Like, there's nothing Vega can do that Rose can't do 10 times better. Except, you know, flip off the wall. But oh, yeah, whatever. there's that. But that sucks, and you get punished for that, so. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, this- Bonchan is a legendary Sagat in the Street Fighter Four scene, and he has always been a legendary player. And it was great to see him do so well in, uh, in Come to Evo and do well. But uh, that matchup, that final he, matchup, it was... He got destroyed. I mean, was, there is no other way to describe what Luffy it, did to Bonchan. It was it was just He played that matchup kicking. so horribly. Like, even he I am like, why are you clashing fireballs with him? Like, all, all Luffy's going to do is sit back and absorb so that he has super ready to go when you come in. And he's going to focus your fireball, so she's got the soul satellites ready to go. So why are you? Why do you keep trying to play this game with her? You can't win it. Yeah, I don't know if Bonchan plays anyone other than Sagat. I don't know if he's another person that just sticks to Sagat. But Luffy in that first, I don't know, 15, 20 seconds of the grand final set, basically told him, you know, told him, and I saw this immediately, you know, you're just going to have to t- uh, stick the tiger shots in your back pocket and, you know, pull them out against somebody else on a different day because they're not going to work against Rose, and you know, in, in a traditional zoning way. He would just go back to him, and I'm like, why are you trying to play this? It's like he was playing on autopilot, like, this is what I'm supposed to do with Scott. This is what I'm going to do with Scott. Here I go. I'm doing it. It's not working. Now I'm getting blown up. And, and he'd like, okay, I can't do that. I can't do that. And then maybe he'd win around, and then he'd be like, all right, I'm going back to that thing I'm doing. I don't know if it, if it's just a lack of match experience against Rose or what, but it, it just seemed like a really bad tactical error because everybody and their mother has said this. He just kept feeding Luffy super meter, which he would use to go, you know, into Rose's super combo because she doesn't need to use a lot of VX moves and a lot of FADC stuff that requires meter. She can just sit there and build up a super and then unleash, you know, her super attack and, as part of a combo. And he did that so many times during the set. Like, I feel like, I mean, I think Sagat is one of those characters that can actually punish the Rose Backdash because he's so big. He's got such yeah. big limbs. But uh, he would never put himself in that situation where he had Luffy on the defensive. Like, Luffy no. picked when he wanted to be defensive. It was not Bonchan. And no, he, need, he needed to fight much closer in. He needed to make more use of his tiger knees and stuff like that. But he just wanted to stick to those tiger shots, and they were not working. No, and uh, and then that was it. Was a wrap. It was, uh, and it felt so good that it was it was on a completely whiffed uh, uh, uppercut that you know Luffy closed it out, and uh, yeah. it was just it was an amazing series. Um, if you ever want to know like what the highest level Street Fighter play, that final match might not be it, but definitely go look up any of Snake Eyes' matches, like him adapting to the matchup. And to show you that Street Fighter is really about – it's not really about specials or supers or ultras, but it's always been about the buttons. 
and that is a match that showcases that very effectively. Absolutely, but it was it was a great tournament. Um, shout outs to all the all the people um, that run it. Um, Mr. Wizard, the Cannon Brothers, all those guys uh, put on a terrific show this year. It was amazing. I best Evo I've ever watched, and I feel like it was the most important Evo for the community based on the 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 companies that are coming demoing stuff the uh, money that the companies themselves were investing into the pot. I feel like it's the start of a bright new chapter for the FGC and Evo going forward. I'm going to try to be there next year. I I want to join you. Maybe we can, maybe we can work out some travel plans. We can, there we go. There we go. All right. But uh, everybody, we appreciate you listening. This has been our Evo 2014 recap. Adam, thank you again for joining us and guys, we will catch you next time. All right. Take it easy, man.